Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. I'm Robert Killingsworth. The audio for this episode comes from a sermon that was given during one of our Sunday services. We hope you are encouraged and inspired by today's word. Good morning. Happy Advent 4. Fourth Sunday of Advent. Hard to believe, isn't it? If you weren't anxious enough, you have six more days to shop. Uh, you'll take break next, next Sunday. Um, so, I have this great opening joke. It's my favorite Christmas joke. And then somebody told me, our visiting adjunct clergy member Jim Jackson told it in his class last week. So, if you were in his class last week, you're going to hear the same joke. I was traveling. I was a guest preacher in the villages in central Florida. Believe me, there's a sermon just in that. Uh, and I'll be telling you more about that later. But I'm going to tell the joke anyway, because it's my favorite one. Little Sam was a Roman Catholic child, and as the year wound down, he realized that he might land on Santa's naughty list. So one night he sat staring at the little creche in his living room, took out a piece of paper and wrote a letter to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Dear Mary, if you get me a new bike for Christmas, I'll be good the whole year through. But as he thought about it, he knew that would be impossible. So he tears up that letter and throws it away and pulls out another piece of paper and says, Mary, if you give me a new bike for Christmas, I promise I'll be nice to my sister for the whole year. And then he thought, nah, if I'm honest, I can't do that either. Tears that up. So he sat there staring for a moment into the, into the crash. And then very gently, he reaches into the crash, takes the figurine of the baby Jesus in his hands, very softly cradles it carries it up to his bedroom. He takes a fine silk handkerchief, wraps the figure in it, and then places it ever so carefully in the very back of his sock drawer, and then closes it, goes back downstairs, sits in front of the crash, and begins his last letter. Dear Mary, if you ever want to see your son again, <laughs> thank you. Even if, even if you heard Jim tell it last week, so. So, uh, in today's gospel, we're going to talk a little bit about Mary. We hear some of the follow-up to the annunciation, the announcement that Mary uh, is going to be in for a little surprise, that God has a present that he wants to give to her. And it's a shame, I think, that the church has done so much in the telling of the Mary story that if we fail to listen to what actually happens and begin to focus a bit more on the lore and the legend surrounding Mary, the story itself really begins to lose its power for our daily lives. So travel with me, if you will, today to two places. First, let's go to Nazareth, and then let's take what we find there and go into our hearts. First, to Nazareth in Galilee. During Mary and Joseph's day, it was not usually mutual attraction that created most marriages, but the arranged coupling of young future husbands and wives by their parents. The minimum age for a girl was 12, boy at least 13. Now take that information and put it on young Mary. When the angel appears to tell her she has found favor with God, she was probably still a girl who had only recently heard her first lecture on the birds and the bees. If she were in our day, she could have easily been wearing a soccer uniform or going to sleepover parties or simply hanging out with friends at the mall. She was a teenager, for God's sake. And I mean that literally. 
but come on, a teenager. This is who God chooses to begin the story of the rescue of humanity from sin and death. If she were around today, she would probably be using Quiracil and texting with her friends on her phone. You would think that someone with at least a resume would have been called. Surely if you or I had made the choice, we might have selected someone who's already married from a good family with a well-known name who had proven herself worthy by living through some adult trials. But Mary did not possess any of those things. An angel comes to bring the news, you have been favored by God. And even though you're not married, even though you're hardly old enough to conceive a child, even though people are going to talk, Joseph may leave you, your parents may be furious, you may be scandalized as a harlot. Despite all that, Mary, you're invited to become pregnant with the divine flesh of God. Now, the opportunity for scandal is tremendous. And that's why we see Joseph in the gospel lesson thinking, well, best for everybody involved if I just put her out quietly. Thank God the angel that brought the surprising news to Mary does the same to Joseph. Nope, nope, Joseph, here's how it's going to work. That baby in her is the direct offspring of God, and you're going to stick around, and you're going to name him Jesus and watch as he begins to work out the salvation of the world. And so it goes. What can we take from this story as it's played out in Nazareth? Let's consider a few things and let's do so by focusing just a little bit more on Mary because it all begins with her response to the angel's announcement, invitation, if you will, to bear God's son. So at first glance, it appears Mary has at least four choices at the invitation. She could say, I cannot accept this invitation. I will not accept this invitation or I will accept this invitation with a few provisos or simply I accept. She could have said I can't, could have said I won't, I will with a few selected fringe benefits or just I will. Now under I can't, I think most of us probably would agree with Mary's reasons. I can't because I'm pledged to be married and he's going to think I've been sleeping around or I can't because my parents and community will disown me. I can't frankly because I don't want this responsibility. But of course if the king of the universe comes to you and says he can do something through you, any I can't is really an I won't. So uh, can't is usually an excuse for won't, which is Mary's second option. She could have just flatly denied the opportunity to be, in her words from Luke's gospel, the Lord's servant. And that would have been far more honest than saying I can't. Thirdly, she could have said, I will with a few conditions. For instance, she might have said, I'll do this if you make sure that my family and I are provided for all the days of my life. Or I will if you make sure that this child whom you will conceive in me will never face any harm. Or that others won't mock me and will in fact revere me. But again, Mary does none of these things. So she could have said, I can't which kind of wouldn't have been truthful, or I won't, which would have been disobedience, or I will but, which would have been playing God. But instead, she chose to say yes, and that made all the difference for her and for you and for me. So this is Mary's real story to us. Let's take the real Mary. As she was, much like you or me, just a regular young girl facing problems and issues in day-to-day life, much like we do. And it was this person in whom God chose to work out the salvation of the world. She comes to us not in a vision of white 
or as a mother who is not at times very frustrated by her son, or as someone free of sin, or as someone free from humanly pleasures. If we place Mary on a pedestal of our own making, not hers, then we begin to miss the whole point of God reaching out to us through Mary's womb, which was not just the birth canal for our Lord of heaven and earth, but the passageway to really understanding Emmanuel, God with us, as the gospel lesson says. Now, you and I, you and I are called to be like Mary No can'ts, wants, or conditions when God invites us into relationship with him or invites us to do something for him. Anytime we say those things, all those negate the incredible possibility of knowing God right in the middle of our lives, right where we are in those times of strength and celebration, or more importantly, in those times of pain or weakness or inadequacy. If we can follow Mary's lead and say yes, God can take us and do something good, do something worthwhile, do something meaningful and very Mary-like in us. Theologians, as you might have guessed, came up with a word for Mary. Many of you know this word, theotokos, which means God-bearer. But we shouldn't forget Mary's humanity. If we do, we take away from the Mariness of the Madonna and in turn take away from the Jesusness of the Christ. If we cut out the inevitable humiliation she had to face being pregnant and unmarried in a small town, then we deny the anguish that she surely underwent. If we presume that everyone else in Nazareth heard the same message Gabriel gave first to Mary and then to Joseph and made the whole community supportive of the two, think again. In fact, the angel of the Lord somehow forgot to leave Mary and Joseph with a copy of God's little instruction book for God's little son. If we remove the rigors of full-term pregnancy, insisting that, that Mary somehow didn't really have to endure morning sickness or varicose veins or weight gain or hormonal headaches, that she just kind of sailed into the manger nine months later, then we miss the power of her witness. The incarnation becomes the incantation, something magic, ethereal, netherworldly, simply an untruth. So let's meet that Mary as she was, as she really was. And let's travel for a moment from Nazareth to our hearts. God calls us today, right now, to be like Mary, to be God-bearers. He comes to us in word and sacraments and through the power of his Holy Spirit and calls us to live as his children and in witness to his love. We like Mary, we have four choices, but let's be clear about what we're choosing. And God invites us in a relationship to live as God's children. If we say things like, I can't, we're not really being truthful. Consider the obvious, I can't get along with my wife. I can't be there for my children when they need me. I can't give up the affair. I can't give up the addiction I'm craving. I can't forgive or let go or go to church or pray or give. Aren't our can'ts really, really wants? Should we not say if we're honest, if we're truthful, I won't get along with my husband. I won't be there for my children when they need me. I won't give up my rage or my anger or my grudges or my sin. I won't pray. I won't go to church, give, etc. We could also choose to say, I will if, if God, if you don't make me do certain things, if you don't make me give up my wealth or become a missionary to Africa, or if I'll do it if, 
if I don't have to take all of this too seriously, if it doesn't really interfere that much with my social life or my commitments to other more recognized nonprofit groups, or I will, but please let me out of all that prayer and study and worship and service to others' business. But of course, then we're playing God and placing Him in our box. When we do this, we make God in our image and we refuse the opportunity of being made in God's image. So can't, won't, will, if, or, but, all of those are options to us, but all are full of holes if we really think about it, so we have another choice. We can, as Mary said to God, we can say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And why wouldn't we? He calls on humans to come to him through the person named Jesus who was the Christ and invite him into our hearts and into our lives, forsaking anything and everything for the glorious hope that we will actually be made into the children of God. Do any of us really want to miss out on that? And the whisper test, the author, Ann Bird, um, tells us a little bit about herself. This is what she writes in her little, very short story, but poignant. She writes, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked what happened to your lip, I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside of my family could love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom we all adored, Mrs. Leonard. She was short and round and happy, a sparkling lady. Annually, we had a hearing test, and Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class, and finally it was my turn. I knew from past experience that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something, and we would have to repeat it back, things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? When it came my turn, I waited there for Mrs. Leonard to whisper my words. When she did, her words to me must have been put right into her mouth by God himself. For from that time on, from that day on, those seven words changed my life. Mrs. Leonard, in her whisper, said, I wish you were my little girl. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what God is whispering to you. I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little boy. I wish you were mine. For what are you waiting? When you think about it, there's only one right answer. When God comes and, and invites us to receive him into our lives, to do things for the sake of the kingdom, the answer is not I can't or I won't or I will with all kinds of ifs and buts. God wants you as you are he loves you as you are, and all Jesus came to say and do says to each one of us that we are favored in his sight. You are favored in his sight. As God came to Mary, 
As God came to Joseph, he comes to you and invites you to open your heart, to open your life and allow it to be the labor and delivery room, if you will, of the living Christ and yet one more place. Right there in the core of your being, may we, may each of us as Mary, as Joseph and millions upon millions have done since, may we answer as they have answered before. Lord, I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said. So my wish for you in the coming days is that each one of you would have a Mary, an M-A-R-Y, a Merry Christmas. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church.